You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. If you want to learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune in to WP88.7. Brave New Radio, your only radio station in America, and it's also a podcast. Most of you may be listening to the podcast, but I'm your professor, David Kirkphilp, on Music Biz 101 and more with your Dr. Esteban. Emeritus Professor Marconi. And it is super to have him here with us today because we have a lot to talk about. We have Jeremy Sorota, who is the CEO of Merlin, who's going to be here with us. But Magic, before- yes. Which is going to be cool. And before we get into that and you find out what Merlin actually is, should we give thanks? I guess so, since we've just been talking about him. Yes. yes. So we're going to give some thanks to the fa- folks at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. and White Hat Management with artists like Dave Matthews, Three Doors Down, St. Vincent Kiss, Zach Brown, and Tima Likes Music. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to VB hyphencpa.com uh, when you're ready and we Ooh. want to give, we want to give thanks to christine boy they a wealth manager at the forefront group christine has helped professionals all over the world and some amateurs manage their investments plan out for their retirement when you are thinking of building a bridge to your financial future think of the forefront group and go to christine at forefront.com yes leave the last oi off for savings and there would be nothing else you would want to do with that boy. Right. And we should remind you, Managing Your Band's 7th edition is out. And we also sure. want to mention that the University of William Patterson's Music Business Program has once again, once again, once again, been ranked one of the best in the world by Billboard Magazine. Five, I guess, recognized. Five times. Yeah. Five times. I think five times, yeah. So uh, yeah. one more and we get a set of steak knives. So we're beginning now, but just a little backstory for those listening. Jeremy Sorota, is it Sorota or Sorata or Cy Rote? What, how, how do you say it? Oh, wow. Uh, I think we'll, we'll go with the how my parents say it, Sorota. So, oh, Sorota. Sorota. Okay. We could have said Chirota. My Chirota. We could have gone to the knack. We could have done yeah. many yeah. things based in the 70s. But speaking yeah. of the 70s, which we were... Getting into today is uh, Professor David Kirk Phillips' birthday. So those of you listening, uh, you'll be listening to this after my birthday, but I would still will accept birthday greetings and money. So that's an FYI for you. I think that was a subtle reverence to me to Venmo you some money, perhaps. It's not that subtle. It's uh, Venmo me money. <laughs> it's an order, sort of. So uh, Jeremy, we're pay to play in this podcast. So that, that's how we do it. So, so with that in mind, Dr. Esteban Marconi, 
Well, yes. you begin the third degree of our friend who is a chief oh, executive God. officer. He wears a God. badge and everything. Let's, yes. let's get going. Let's do Good. This. I'm ready. I'm talking now. I hope so. <laughs> anyway, okay, so we usually start because we have mostly uh, this is a college radio station that broadcasted on before it's a, a podcast. So I think uh, maybe pick up from undergrad or law school and tell them in a few minutes how you got here, where you are now. Yeah, happy to. Um, I guess I'll start by saying, if you look at me online, if you go to my LinkedIn profile, if you see sort of a preview of my career, it can look pretty straight lined. Mm. Uh, but if you go back in time and, and live it, it's actually quite curvy. Uh, like most careers are. It takes a zig and a zag in different directions. Uh, I actually got my start in the creative industries uh, in um, the art world. Uh, my mom was an artist and I started off as a brand designer. Uh, back in the days when there's things like AOL uh, and ISPs, uh, internet service providers, uh, I worked at one called Juno Online and was a graphic and brand designer. Uh, and then took a real pivot there and decided I wanted a different uh, direction in my life. And uh, I was debating where and what I wanted to do. And I knew at some point that I wanted to do one of two things. I either wanted to found a company or I wanted to run a company. Mm. And I had this very long-term end goal in mind. And then I had to kind of backfill the rest of how to get there. And so that's when I started thinking about, do I go to uh, a business school? Do I go to law school? And I was um, uh, originally going to be a rhetoric or philosophy major. So law school appealed more to sort of my mindset. Mm -hmm. And I went into law school, uh, graduated, uh, worked at a big law firm as a tech lawyer uh, for five years. Uh, and as part of that experience, I thought I was going to go work into tech. My dad was an engineer. I used to be a programmer in my teens. I was really big into um, pre-internet uh, worlds. And then I had this opportunity to work with the music industry. So I was working with some of the music publishing companies or societies like NMPA and Harry Fox. And then I started working with a small little outfit called Warner Music Group. Uh, and got to work and originally with like their IT departments doing outsourcing and AWS agreements, and then started working with their digital teams, and then got to work with um, their artists and label services division. And so I went to Warner, was there for nine years, had a great time creating opportunities for myself, then had the next opportunity in front of me uh, at Facebook on the music team. Uh, where I was the head of global licensing uh, for independence. Uh, and then that led me to where I am today and, and started and was honored to be given the opportunity to be CEO of Merlin in January of 2020, uh, which if we backtrack in time, I started about 75 days before we were shutting down all of our offices yeah. for COVID. So yeah. as a first time CEO in my first hundred days, that was not something that I had planned out. So um, yep. It Im clearly impacted everyone around the world in different ways. Uh, so, uh, uh, but it was uh, an interesting start to, yeah. to running a company. Yeah. Just a little scenario. I'm a, I'm a small town sort of um, record company. I've got multiple streams on um, a two, maybe two or three records 
and I'm thinking of trying to do something internationally uh, with this company. And I heard, um, I heard about this company called Merlin. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Yeah, that a great question. It's um, you know, Merlin's always been a little bit more behind the scenes. So I'm happy to tell you a bit more and your audience about us because for me, being CEO has been a dream job. Uh, so start with the basics. Uh, Merlin has been described as the major for independence. So you of course have Universal Music, Sony, Warner, and Merlin. And we are the independent digital music licensing partners. So we, what does that mean? We go out and we negotiate the most competitive best in class deals with services like Apple and Facebook or Meta, Spotify, TikTok, YouTube, innovative platforms around the world. And then our members, record labels, distributors, other rights holders, arts management companies, anyone who owns sound recordings has music. They can then join and benefit from those deals, but they work directly with all those partners. So that means that they can better own their independence. Mm -hmm. um, and that means that they can better than compete in this growing and diverse and complex ecosystem and learn, but they then have the control that they want as an independent. Mm -hmm. um, and when they come to Merlin, one of the things that's really interesting about it is about us is because we operate like a not-for-profit, that means that our only interests are in driving value to our members. Yeah. So for example, our board is composed of our members. So we have this member-led board and I don't have a profit margin. I have an operating budget. Mm -hmm. So we only charge a one and a half percent admin fee, which is the lowest there is anywhere in the world in this industry. But even then, the differential between what I need for my budget and what I need for that one and a half percent, if there's a difference, we then return that at the end of the year as a surplus to uh -huh. our members. So there's just all these really unique benefits that our members get as being a part of one of the items in their toolkit to own their independence. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the company uh, started in what, uh, 2007, five, something like that with, um, actually a bunch of independent stakeholders or rights holders that decided that there should be some, uh, benefit with volume to have more people, uh, doing the same thing and, uh, competing that way instead of on their own. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. The the independence in announced Merlin in two thousand seven, officially launched two thousand eight. So I'm really excited. It's fifteen years of Merlin uh, right. this year, uh, and they saw what had happened in the physical marketplace of this over reliance upon the majors for their distribution for their marketing into physical retailers, and they said we can't let this happen again. We need to better control our future. And so that's where they came together and they recognized the power of collective bargaining and that it's advantageous. Uh, and so one of our first deals in the marketplace was with this small little company uh, called Spotify, who we've been in partnership now with 15 years and has been an incredible partner uh, to Merlin, to Independence. And in the same way, we're an incredible partner back to drive value to each other. 
Mm-hmm. So it's been, and, and the other thing that I just find an incredible compliment to this organization and what the team has built over these years is that most of those members from 2008 are still members today, 15 years later. Mm. Uh, and that brings me a lot of pride and our team, a lot of pride. Right. Right. That's great. So um, there's, I mean, no surprise to anyone in this field that the indie music has been uh, exploding and expansion has happened with Merlin in the last two or three years. Uh, yeah, dr- uh, dramatically. We've um, definitely taken a, a further step about articulating our value proposition a bit more directly into the marketplace and just being um, a bit more excited about who and what we are and helping to explain that into the marketplace. And the thing about Merlin is we are the ultimate, ultimate WYSIWYG. So what you see is what you get. And we treat all of our members the same. Everyone has the same access to deals. They get to choose the deals they want to opt into. Uh, everyone has the same access to opportunities. So there's no, we don't treat no matter what your size, where you are in the world, what deals you're in, we treat all of our members the same. And so we are just really about information, making sure people have the right information to make decisions. And so in terms of numbers, we've added about 140 new members since I started. Um, That includes first-time direct members from about 20 new countries, spanning from Singapore to Burkina Faso to United Arab Emirates to Iraq just a couple months ago to Turkey to Albania. So I'm really excited to see us entering into markets we've never been and being able to drive value for independence uh, around the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, it's basically a, I think of it also as a conduit for me trying to get someplace to someplace and uh, looking at the experience and the energy and so on of this um, company that's really not trying to make a ton of money off of me or trying to, uh, you know, take my money as well as their money. I mean, it's, it's just sounds like a, a win-win situation. Did um, the original guys, uh, I think it was Silverman was in on it and a few people in the, in the beginning, did they think of it that it was going to be nonprofit? Yeah, so to, to both those questions, you're right. We, we really act as a facilitator. So we are this bridge into the marketplace as opposed to a gatekeeper. Um, and in fact, we make zero profit. That's not our intention at all. Yeah. Uh, our only intention is about driving value to our members. Uh, right. And we do that through the deals, but we also do it behind the scenes around how we try to help them better understand the marketplace and how we help them access more opportunities. Uh, and so there's a lot we do behind the scenes for those who want it. That's once again, you get to pick and choose how you want to engage and benefit from Merlin. And so for those, you know, original founders, uh, uh, Tommy Silverman, so Tommy Boy Records, uh, you have folks like Horse from K7, yeah. uh, obviously Martin Mills from Beggars, Michelle Lambeau from Pios. Uh, there's a number of other people who are sort of originally there. And, and yes, they had always thought of this as operating like a not-for-profit. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Dave, you seem to be uh, yeah, jumping um, a little bit. Um, jump, in, jump in, birthday boy. I'm ready. Uh, here we here we go. <laughs> um, I'm actually going feet first, not head first, because I don't want to hurt my hair. But uh, 
to sort of recap, Merlin, just so people understand, is not a distributor. Merlin is more of an advocate for independent labels, for example. And you mentioned maybe managers and some other company rights holders, basically. Right. Um, is, is that a good word to say advocate? Yeah, we I would say two different things because there's a lot of advocacy groups. Right. So what I think about is access access to partners, access to deals, access to best terms, transparency. They get to uh, see the deal terms of every deal we do before they decide whether they want to participate in, in our deals. So that's education then as well. So you have access, transparency, education, support. They need support around operational support, commercial partnership support. All these other areas where, yes, there are some similarities to what act, other actors do in the marketplace, but once again, they then choose based on where they are as an independent, what they need, how they want to tap into Merlin and what they want from us. So if they, they got delivery, integration, technical side down to a T, they don't need to tap into us because that's their expertise. If they're like, hey, we're having trouble engaging and we're not sure this keeps failing, what do we do here? It's like, oh, great. Well, we talk to... 500 members around the world all the time. And we've seen this issue 37 times. So let us tell you the quick fix here. Uh, so just to better own their independence through these better deals, through better access, through education, these are the ways that really Merlin, and then we can be an advocate. We can be a voice on their behalf into the services. What do independents need to engage you better? How do you build better tools? How do, why, why, why is no one leaning into these new features you launched? Well, let us tell you what we're hearing from everyone and why they're not leaning in, why they're not taking advantage of these and what you could do differently to get them to engage. That, okay, so that last part, you guys are kind of like a voice for the community of the, of the indie world. There's a town square. You can, maybe you're like a town square and we can all go to you. And mm -hmm. if exactly like you just said, I'm having some troubles, I'm not, hitting the numbers that I thought I was going to bet, get, but then I'm reading in the trades that somebody else is doing really well, who's maybe my competitors, one of my competitors, I can come to you and you're not going to give me any information that's proprietary, but you're going to say, well, here, what I'm finding in the market is this, you know, and are you doing X, Y, and Z? And I might only be doing X, not even know Y and Z exists. And you're like, well, you should find out about Y and Z and here's some info, blah, blah, blah. Is that in terms of the education standpoint and, and being a, a voice for independence is that sort of makes sense yeah that's that's absolutely right that's like guidance piece so i always say if you give us one piece of information to merlin once again anonymize we don't share anything proprietary we're super sensitive to confidentiality because these are competitors in many cases but for every one piece of info or data you deliver into merlin you get like 50 back and so everyone benefits from this community and this central, you know, uh, entity Merlin um, to, to what they need as a company to better access the marketplace, to better understand it, to better engage it and to succeed more within it, um, whatever might come next. And there's, you know, a lot coming. This is, this is the real decade. The first 20 years were just the setup to what's happening right now. And then right. the, ne the next thing then is in terms of, of deals. Um, explain to our listeners the deals that Spotify has with rights holders. You know, we have the big three. Tell them who the big three is and say you represent sort of a huge section of mm -hmm. what could be a fourth, 
but it's not one big number four. It's lots, it's hundreds and hundreds of little ones that together equal maybe the, the power of a fourth major label. Can you kind of get into that? Yeah, yeah, happy to. So the, just to reiterate, the three major or major recording companies, and by the way, that's on a global level, when you enter certain marketplaces, uh, Japan, Korea, there's a number of them. There's the local majors, which is not the greatest differenti differentiation, but they are the more powerful within their markets. China's another one. There's a, plenty of markets like that. Uh, but if we focus on those, it's Universal, Sony, and, and Warner are the three, quote, majors. Uh, and then Merlin is effectively, if you, in its collective way, because we have 500 different members around the world, but collectively we represent 15% of the global recorded music marketplace. Mm -hmm. uh, that is on par uh, with the third largest major. Mm -hmm. um, and so that, um, that collective nature of what we do allows us to offer a lot of value to these services. It is really challenging to go negotiate 500 deals. It's really challenging to engage them all directly. It's really challenging to be able to get them to then engage into your platform. And so that's why I always talk about it. It's this sort of two-sided uh, or two-way um, benefit that derives from it. It's we want to deliver best-in-class competitive deals to our members so that they can be at the forefront of the best deals out there. At the same time, we wanna deliver value into the service as well. Uh, and they get, a, and both sides get a lot of value from what we do um, on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, and the second part was he was asking, uh, how does Spotify work? In other words, who gets paid oh. what? Yeah, sorry, I, I did not mean to ignore the birthday boys questions. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, the way it works is, you know, we, we as Merlin has the direct deal with Spotify. Our members choose if they opt into our deal. So if they are participating in the Merlin deal, they're still delivering direct, they're marketing direct, they're engaging directly with the platform. What we do, though, is, however, we ensure that we collect the payments, we collect the reports, and then we turn those around to our members as quickly as possible. Um, I think with Spotify, it's within 24 hours. So our key is... We just want to be that facilitator um, and have that bridge and data and money flow as quickly as possible. Our members still access the Spotify APIs directly for their trends data. So once again, our, as we said, I said before, our goal is not to be that gatekeeper. It's just that facilitator. How do you get the most out of these digital relationships through Merlin? Talk then. This is really interesting because if you're collecting money on behalf of the uh, of your rights holders, stakeholders, you must have quite a finance department because you need to, that's a lot of, a lot of money coming in and a lot of separate checks, basically. It's not, you know, you're not handwriting checks, but basically, you know, a lot of payments that you are turning around, like you said, in a 24 hour basis, how many people are in that division? Yeah. So this, this might surprise the audience. Um, we at Merlin definitely punch above our weight. Uh, so we have about 40 digital partnerships, 40 plus digital partnerships, 500 plus members around the world. We're collecting multiple currencies. Uh, you know, we have a finance department of five. Wow. Uh, Merlin altogether is only 42 people. Uh, and that's across finance, reporting, insights, our deal team, our BA team, 
um, our technology team, our commercial partnerships team, our member relations team. Uh, so what does that say to you? We have some of the best people in the industry who are hyper engaged in our mission and what we do. Um, it's an incredible place to work. We're global in nature. Uh, we talk about, I talk about transparency externally to our members, same core value exists internally at Merlin around transparency. So you show up on day one, you have as much access as anyone else in the company. And so it's just a really, I think a really unique place to work. Um, our goal is always to create opportunities for people within the team. I mean, all you have to do is raise your hand. Like, I'd like to explore this or get involved in this. You are never going to hear anything, but yeah, you should do that. Sounds great. Mm. Uh, so what markets are you excited about? Future markets. Oh gosh. Well, as a global company, my, my answer always has to be everywhere. Of course. Uh, I'm very, very excited about everywhere, but if uh, you want me to give, I will give you a real answer to that, which is, I think there's a lot of, um, uh, dynamic, uh, happenings right now within the middle East. It is a very musical region. Um, and there's a lot of diverse and interesting music, a huge songwriting culture within that uh, region. So I'm very excited what's coming from there. We've, we've added a number of members, um, uh, into Merlin in the last couple of years, many of whom I met when I was at Facebook. Uh, I had the opportunity to travel to the Middle East and to a number of countries and meet some of these face to face. And that's always such a joy. Um, you know, we just had a member who joined from Vietnam who traveled all the way to Austin for the South by Southwest music conference. And I was able to meet them in person for the first time. Uh, mm -hmm. So there's a real joy. I mean, a lot of what we have to do because we're a small team and we have hundreds of members around the world is we do a lot through our tool sets, through our CMS, you know, our content management system and all those. But when we have these opportunities to meet in person, it's always such a pleasure. And you get to learn more about their markets and the music they create and the artists they work with. And uh, it's really exciting. There's obviously a lot going on all across the Africa continent. Uh, we talk about it as a continent, but every single one of those countries has its own uh, music uh, ecosystem. Uh, so we recently had a, a member join a year or so ago called Mad Solutions, who's really big in the Afrobeats genres. Uh, it's been really exciting to see and listen to their music. We love to share it internally. So every week or two, we're getting updates from folks within the company about new music. Uh, so it's very joyful to, to be able to get that. Well, I was, uh, my mind wasn't thinking so much of geographically as much as, um, opportunities with delivery systems or whatever that you might you guys might have more of a, a vision of seeing than we do sitting here in uh, Wayne New Jersey <laughs> um yeah there's I'll, I'll give you two answers to that um which is maybe not exactly to your question but the the two places I might be a little bit excited is uh one is in the data and insights fields um, there's a lot that we're trying to do on behalf of our members to deliver benchmarking data, aggregated data um, that allows them to have more visibility than they might have. Even the largest independent still is smaller um, uh, than the majors. And so when you look at Merlin collectively, there's a lot of collective intelligence then there that we're looking to tap into uh, for independence so they can make better decisions uh, into the marketplace. 
so that's one I'm really excited about. The other is just the concepts of how do you tap in? There's so many startups and other companies around the world who understand the value of music, who understand that if we could get access to this in a simpler fashion than how complex it is to license music, they would love to engage with it at an early, earlier stage. And they'd love to just build a test and experiment to understand, is this going to work my platform or how do I make it work my platform? Because we know how sticky music is. And so that's another area we're really focused on and what we can be doing on behalf of our members to help achieve that. So those are, those are two spaces that I'm, I'm excited about right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, um, the um, exercise, I'm trying to think of the word, physical workouts, they, where they use music, uh, are they more, are more now paying their licensing fees, um, you know, for, for independent music or any music as, as well? So, uh, you know, we have, a, we have a number of deals. I'll, I'll just focus on one right now, which is Peloton. Uh, we've been in business with Peloton. Oh gosh, I should know this off. Uh, maybe almost two years now on behalf of our members. Um, that's a relationship we're really excited about. It's, it's an area where we obviously can drive a lot of value, uh, for our members as well as for Peloton, uh, as well. Uh, and so that's a space, but there's a lot of different, um, uh, space, uh, uh companies and entities within the fitness space. that we would love to tap into some of them though are just really kind of nascent or quite small and you just get into that classic business dilemma of like how do you engage with all these services who want your product but it's not necessarily easy to deliver your product to them think of trying to deliver a physical product into a city that doesn't have great access by roads or by planes or you know you name it and that's what we're trying to deal with because you can't just do one kind of have to do 10, 20 of them because you don't know which one's going to succeed. Um, and maybe it only makes sense if you can do all of them together to generate enough revenue to support how you license them, how you deliver to them, how you tap into them. And so that's, that's the new challenge going into this decade. Is, and it's been an ongoing issue in the music industry. Um, it's something I've been involved in at every stage of my career is how do we, how do we make this happen? And I'm hopeful that this year or two, uh, we have some good ideas at Merlin for our members of what we can do in this space. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Talk about a lot of indies, I'm sorry, indie artists are distributed through Mm -hmm. uh, DistroKid, CD Baby, TuneCore. Are those types of distributors, I'm under the impression that they are not part of Merlin. Uh, Are you allowed to even say who your members are in that case? Or, uh, but can you shed any light there? Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, it's a very broad membership. Um, and as I said before, it spans record labels, uh, distributors. Distributors are, are, are entities that typically distribute other labels. So labels who may be too small to build their own supply chain and be able to do global marketing, but they can work with a distributor to get their content up on all the services. Uh, and then what you're referring to are these DIY services. So we have membership across all of these verticals, including others, as I mentioned, our uh, artist management companies, other sort of non-traditional rights holders. Uh, so to, to our membership, you know, we talk about ones who, uh, I would say 95% of our members are happy and want us to talk about them. So folks like CD Baby, DistroKid are both members 
Um, everyone chooses, as I said before, everyone chooses how they want to participate and the value they want to get from Merlin. Um, I think one of the misnomers about DIYs, without talking about anyone in specific, because there's a lot of DIY platforms around the world, uh, but one of the misnomers is that it's just always small artists or it's just artists who just put out a track or two. Whereas in fact, there's a lot of artists who use them who might have gotten the rights back. Or there's a lot of artists who have actually built large followings and careers. So it's not just these small DIYs. There's, there's a lot of different people who tap into. And some of those artists work directly with distributors. So it's the, the marketplace has gotten a lot more um, complex, obviously, but a lot more diverse. And a lot of that has to do with just technology has democratized access, which has allowed more people to tap into it, whether through tools, whether through distributors, whether DIY or not. Um, and so that's generally a good thing. What you've also seen, though, of course, is that just because you can tap into the marketplace doesn't mean your music gets listened to. Uh, and there's a recent study from Luminate, which is you know uh, uh, a big uh, data company that does analysis and that charting in the US basically saying 40 million tracks never got streamed once last year. Um, and it's like a lot of creative fields, whether you're talking about art, film, script writing, fine arts, you name it, it's not always easy to succeed in creative fields. And that just speaks to the challenges, not just of how much music is out there, but just generally, it's, it's a tough business. Well it showed that the uh, the long tail theory didn't work actually that uh, came out i guess around 10 15 years ago and that was we were going to because we had access we were going to go down the tail to even to the um the, the track that has one stream and we were going to stream it and um as was just proven that never everybody still stayed with the hit makers and and so on but so, then again, yeah. then again, though, you're looking at the very, very, very end of the tail. There's that whole section Absolutely. between the very end and the, the top yes. that actually is empowered now. Because if you go back 15 years, pre-DistroKid, all that, and pre-Spotify streaming, it was really hard to get distribution. Now distribution right. is easy. Access is easy for the consumer to, of the history of recorded music. It's just, right. but you just, now you have all this noise. How do I find out uh, who, you know, Jeremy puts out a, a song, how do I even know that it's out there? So right. um, it, he begins at the very, very end of that tale. And he's one of those yeah. 40 million tracks never streamed. Maybe he can come up where he's getting thousands of streams a week or something. Now he's yeah. making over time a little something. He's not making a living, yeah. but he's making something. Yeah, certainly access has done that. Although the, the skew is still going to be way up. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it it is but if you look two things i would say that is one is if you look at at um the range of uh what's being streamed and listened to over the last 10 years you see the growth of i don't like this term but it's as no one's ever come up with that better term the fat middle um that has continued to grow and expand um and that's that is because you're seeing a democratization also as you see the coming down of gatekeepers into not not the marketplace but within the digital services and mm -hmm. so as gatekeepers come down and access um is easier that's where you actually see our members the labels the distributors the role of them is even more important to help artists to break through the noise 
mm-hmm. um, and how to achieve success um, because it is really challenging. And what we've been decrying the death of the, the label now, or it's been talked about the death of the label now for 20 or 30 years. And yet the importance of that label, because every time I, someone says, well, I don't need a label. And then they start to build a team around them. And suddenly that team just starts to look like what a label does. And right. so you've just had a label redefined, but it's still fundamentally what a record label does. Mm-hmm. And that's what they help. They do help you break through that noise. Sure, there are always cases of an artist who achieves it on their own. And that's incredible. We should applaud that. But almost always there is a team behind them supporting them. And whether that's called a label or not, it tends to start to look like one mm-hmm. uh, when they achieve success. What would you yeah. say your definition of an indie is? For example, we have the three majors, which you mentioned, but then there are sort of three very big mini majors. Uh, there's Hive, there's Concord, there's BMG. Are they considered indie? If Could BMG become a member of Merlin or are they too big? At what point are you too big to become a member of Merlin? Mm-hmm. Well, we have, so we have a membership agreement. Uh, this goes back to when I was talking about uh, how we treat all of our members the same. We have one membership agreement. Everyone signs the exact same membership agreement. There's no, there's no difference between any member, regardless of when they joined or how they joined or where. Uh, so we, we only, we have one main criteria, uh, or sorry, two main criteria, which is one is you can't represent more than 5% of the global music marketplace uh, to join Merlin. Uh, the board could approve to make an exception, but I don't believe other than the majors, anyone's achieved that on a global level. Uh, so that's number one. And number two is you can't have majority interests from a major. So if there was a 50.1% interest in an independent, uh, that would disqualify them from joining Merlin. Uh, mm-hmm. So historically, that's been how uh, independence has, it's been sort of that us versus them. Um, you know, the marketplace is getting more complex. Uh, I would say I've always felt that independent is a bit more of a spirit. Um, those who are more supportive of creative independence. Um, and that's where I've always defined independence is those who support more creative independence um, and supporting what they're trying to put out into the marketplace. This is all the reason why we got into this. This is why I love technology. It's where it kind of got my start. But music has just been the soundtrack to my life. And so once again, that's why it's always attracted me to independence. It's not that people at the majors don't support artists. Of course they do. No one goes to work in the music industry because they don't love music and support artists. But one of the factors I believe separates independence is that support of the artists and the creative output and trying to find a way to support whatever they want to be putting out there. Um, there's also another large independent da- downtown Um uh, as well. And, and there's several others uh, I could name. Um, so yes, the, the marketplace is definitely evolving. And that's why I said this, this 10 years is going to be the most fascinating to see what it's going to look like uh, at the end of the decade. So when a company, we'll call it like Quality Control, just got bought by Hybe, um, if Quality Control was a member of Merlin and Hybe is still, I guess, under 5% of the global marketplace, um, I guess quality control no longer is a member of Merlin only because they were gobbled up, but they were gobbled up by another member. In they that could st- yeah, I, I don't know if I want to opine on the complexity of that organizational structure. Right. <laughs> but what I would say is if quality control was still independently 
operating as a standalone in a sense where they were still doing their own deals. Uh, they could in theory still participate as, as a Merlin member. Uh, I'm sure it gets more complex depending on the organizational structure and whether Hyde's also a member. So, but um, yes, we've definitely had members get acquired by other members or members get acquired by non-members. As I said, in this day and age, the configurations of what could happen um, is endless. Uh, yeah, so here's here's another example. So 30 Tigers is um, an indie label distributed by The Orchard, which is owned mm -hmm. by Sony. Um, yep. Again, you, you really probably shouldn't get into, you know, their ownership, but that would be another example of you have an indie with a relationship with sort of an in quotes, independent distributor, but that indie distributor is owned by one of the majors. So um, in terms of getting good deals, Sony is getting them the best deal or, or a comparable deal to Merlin. In terms of when I say deals, um, the best possible streaming rate from the DSPs, um, they're uh, negotiating the same rate that you guys are trying to negotiate. Um, but it's the rest of the things that you offer besides the rate. Would 30 Tigers be able to participate in that with you? Or they have to look upwards to, to the orchard and the orchard community of labels. Yeah. So let's do a theoretical independent through the orchard called 29 Tigers. How about that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it, listen, we, this is, goes back to configurations, which is, first of all, we don't have deals with everyone in the marketplace. So, you know, you know, our members need solutions for those if they want that, of course. Uh, so they may work. A lot of our members who um, go through Merlin deals may also work with a Merlin distributor. Um, or they may say, hey, I don't have the resources to support a deal that Merlin has. I'm going to actually use this distributor because that's their expertise. And I don't have the resources to do this through Merlin. Maybe one day I will. Mm -hmm. um, now, if someone was through a major owned distribution arm, but they had certain rights that they controlled outside of that. Let's just take, for example, Spotify. They had all of their rights through a major owned distributor, but they controlled the rights to Spotify. Maybe they're even direct. There was nothing that prevent them from joining Merlin for their Spotify deal because they're not owned by the Orchard. They're not owned by Sony. They just use Sony or a major owned distribution arm for distribution of certain rights. So that's why I say it gets a little complex, but really it, you just have to think about it this way. If you're not owned by a major and you control rights, that's the question. That's the, those are sort of the two sort of simple ways to think about, could I join Merlin? And then the only question is, would I benefit from the education, the guidance, the facilitation, the best in class deals, the access, the transparency to better own my independence? Um, and that's where Merlin steps in and where we play our role. So no indie is too small because there are so many, we'll call them indie labels now. Uh, like I manage three artists, um, mm -hmm. one of whom is unsigned at the moment, but she owns lots of her original recordings. Uh, in theory, she could become a member of Merlin uh, because she, in theory, has her own record label. Everybody has their own record label, you know, basically going through yep. DistroKid, for example. Um so she could become a member and all she's giving up is 1.5% of her distribution, you know, of her revenue, because that's going to you. And the idea is we're going to earn that back and more because of all the extra things that Merlin is providing relative to what we've talked about before. Sure. Yeah. 
to, to your first question, is anyone too small? Uh, we, don't, we don't have sort of official criteria. There's no number that we look at that says this is too small. Um, however, just like folks in the music industry doing A&R look at artists, they look at all the things around the artists. Are they songwriters as well? How dedicated do they seem? Do they understand what they're getting into? What's the team they build around them to support them? There's all these factors from 15 years of history and evaluating people who apply for membership that help us determine, is this entity, is this label, is this distributor, is this rights holder, they set up for success in Maryland. And we can usually pretty quickly get to a yes or no on that. And if it's a no, what we do is we give them the information um, where we can um, to help them better understand how they can achieve sort of the things that they should look towards to be able to succeed within Merlin, because we are just, just like everyone, we're just one component to your success in the music industry. You know, if you want to do sync licensing, you need to figure out that if you want to do your physical. So we, you have to think about Merlin as one very important element to it. Um, but that also implies because we are a membership, we're not a vendor, we're a member community. That means you're, there's also responsibilities as well. And we take those very seriously with our members of like, because they ultimately at the end of the day, they help support and deliver this value back. Uh, and so that's how we think about it. And then how do you differ from, there's another big organization representing independent artists, labels, uh, AA2IM, American Association of Independent Musicians, is it? Or music, independent music. music. Independent yep. music. Uh, how do you differ from from what they do? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, A2IM is one of many independent uh, organizations around the world. Uh, so you have AIM in the UK. You have Impala representing European trade. They're called trade associations. Uh, we work really closely with them. And what they are, and this is why I sort of steer away from the word advocacy, is they are the advocates. So they are the ones, so A2M works with governmental and regulatory bodies. Um, they advocate, advocate for legislation. <clears throat> they help to run programs to educate. So uh, across any sorts of verticals about just, hey, I need session musicians. What do I do to go find those? Um, so they are a, a partner to us, but they serve a very different and important role. But that's where they serve more of the, that's why I stray away from the word advocacy. We are a, it's better to say we are a voice into the digital platforms um, and they serve as the advocates. And, you know, we work very closely and um, uh, they're great. We're great partners to each other. I noticed on your board and their board, uh, there's a shared member, Glenn Barros or Barros who we had yes. on our show when he was the oh. COO of uh, Concord. Yeah. Which is, I mentioned earlier, one of the sort of biggest indie label groups out there. But uh, yeah, so that that's an exact, that kind of ties into what you just said, how uh, you work closely yeah. with them. Yeah, he's a, he's, he's a great, um, he serves as an advisor on our board. I was really pleased when I asked him if he would serve in that role. He now works at a company called Acceleration, uh, which is himself, uh, a woman, Amy Dietz from InGrooves, uh, Charles Caldis, the former CEO of Merlin, um, and Dave Hansen, my former executive chairperson. Uh, and they're also Merlin members. Uh, so we're really pleased to have, have them as members. And we're really pleased that he served in this role because he's, uh, he's got a lot of knowledge about the industry and he's been a, a great resource. 
amongst all the board members. Uh, they are a great resource for for me. That's great. Well, Marconi, we have about sixty seconds left. Do you no. have a final question? Uh, no, actually, I was going to bring up that question uh, hypothetically that we did with a uh, a label di distributed by one of the uh, indies owned by the majors. Which uh, was a good a good example, obviously. And Concord's a, Concord's a good example because Concord is we'll call it self-owned, even though you know mm -hmm. investment right. groups and all. But they have distribution through Universal, that's so right. yep. but they're not owned by Universal, but they have distribution. So that's right. an interesting thing, unless you know more than I do, Jeremy, about what I just said. Uh, probably. So I should probably keep my mouth shut. All right. <laughs> we almost no. Got I not not to imply that they're Merlin members. Just uh, I've you know listen. Anyone who's been in this industry long enough, uh, one of the things that I find um, really satisfying about it is that. Um, I get to encounter people over and over again that I've encountered in different roles, but at the same time, you see new people uh, coming into the industry, and that wasn't happening for a big portion of when I joined. I joined in, uh, uh, I joined, uh, excuse me, Warner in 2009, and it was sort of at a low point. There was, there was a huge exodus to technology companies uh, from the music industry. Uh, there was this sense that this was, you know, not the place to work. This was not dynamic anymore. And now I fast forward to today and it feels really dynamic. And you feel like you have this whole new grouping of people coming from different backgrounds with a huge energy about music and about creatives and wanting to support them. And that's been um, really great to watch and see that pendulum swing, swing back. We've had a number of people join the team uh, that we are so excited about. They don't necessarily have the experience in music yet, but they have that mindset. They have that like, get at it. They have that figure it out itis, which is such a key part of like this weird world we live in where it's just like every day you're like, okay, something's coming my way and there's no set solution to it. I just got to figure out what to do now. And everyone's looking at me and you got to be like, okay, a moment of like, okay, I'm totally terrified. What do I do? And then like, okay, breathe. I'm going to figure this out. And it's been uh, great to see that and build that and support people uh, from, from those different backgrounds who maybe wouldn't have always gotten a shot at music. And we're a small team, but anytime I can do that, I feel really proud of that opportunity. Well, I think this has been great. I think the word of the day is figure it out, itis. That's a very uh, <laughs> excellent word. Yeah, I'm saying it. Yeah, Urban Dictionary right there. Yeah, I'll, and, and just to give credit, that one comes from my wife. I did not invent that term. So uh, I got to give all credit to her for that one. Okay, great. So a uh, big shout out to Mrs. Sirota. Uh, right. That's not her last name, in, in which uh, I apologize to the hyphen. But uh, it's, are, were you going to say something that there is, is there a hyphen in your wife's last name? There is no hyphen. She's kept her last name, which is a very cool last name. It's Underhill. Um, which um, I, maybe I should have taken her last name. Uh, right. it's, a, it's a great one. Yeah. Well, good. Um, I'm thinking of taking your last name after the wealth of knowledge <laughs> you just presented to us on my birthday. So, Jeremy, thank you so much for appearing on yes, Music Thank Shows you. 101 and more. Really, great. thanks so much. I appreciated the chat and uh, happy birthday to you. Uh, <laughs> the, the rest of the day goes well. Yes, it can't go as well as this, to tell you the truth. Oh, it can't go as well as this. You're making me blush. I know. <laughs> the, highlight of the day just happened. I'm on the downward <laughs> slope. I might just go to bed and wake up tomorrow at this point. So, yeah. yeah.
But but Jeremy, thank you so much for appearing on Music Biz One or More. Do you have any idea what we say at the end of every show? Oh gosh, oh, now you're really putting me on the spot. I'm, 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 I won't even pretend I do. Please tell me. It's the Lithuanian version of Adios, and it is Adios. 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 Wanna be your lover in every sexy kind of way. Commit to this addiction and spend the day. Couldn't if I wanted turn around and walk away. Sick of this addiction, hear me say. Alright, oh yeah. Alright, oh yeah. Sexy kind of